This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Uh, just uh, let the listeners know what's coming up in the show. We've we'll been talking shortly after the first break with award-winning baseball writer, Statistician and Scout School graduate Alexis Brednicki. Uh, certainly looking forward to her uh, uh, her debut performance on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. She uh, Alexis is uh, a passionate about baseball. Has worked for the Toronto Blue Jays uh, uh, for eight years. A contributor to the Canadian Baseball Network and uh, award, like I said, award winning baseball writer. Should be. Um, should be a thrill talking to somebody so passionate about the sport of baseball. Yeah, very interesting uh, background she has. She'll be great on the show, I'm so sure. We're looking forward to that. And uh, given, the, given the events this week uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, hiring uh, Haley Wickenheiser, Noel Needham, and Dr. Meg Popovic, women are making a big inroads in sports, Naz, and that's, uh, that may be a good thing. That is a good thing, and why not? You know, uh, certainly Haley Wickenheiser uh, uh, sort of caught uh, everybody off guard. Uh, this is part of the new Kyle Dubas uh, regime. Uh, forward thinking, progressive. Uh, nobody has accomplished more in women's hockey. And perhaps, perhaps you can make the argument in women's sports uh, in Canada uh, than Haley Wickenheiser. So. Uh, I think they're sending a great message out. Haley Wickenheiser, one of the most accomplished uh, athletes of her generation, one of the most accomplished women's athletes in in our nation's history. So uh, uh, she's going to be helping out with player development. And um, obviously she's got a lot of experience, uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs want to take advantage of that. And it sends a great message out, doesn't it, Ness? The Leafs seem to be doing the right things all the time. Isn't it uh, a lot different than maybe six, seven years ago, the situation the Leafs are in and what they're in now and uh, the state of their hockey club? Great great job. You know, the reality is uh, sports is a business. It's a sport. Uh, The world evolves. The sport evolves. And I I think, uh, you know, when when Brandon Shanahan took over – you know he's got he's got a vision for this franchise. Um, it's it's a forward thinking vision. Obviously, the game of hockey has significantly changed in the last. For just from on the ice product, forget about the off ice. The on ice product has significantly changed, and you know uh, Shanahan was faced with with a pretty difficult decision uh, earlier this year, and and it just seems that this was planned out, and they seem to be have their. You know their ducks lined up, and 
you know, it was, are we going to renew Lou Lamarillo's contract or are we going to move forward with Kyle Dubas? And, uh, you know, Kyle is seems to be a forward-thinking uh, executive, general manager, uh, young man. Um, and, you know, he was, he was quoted, I think, um, afterwards. They, he was asked why. I mean, it was just an Haley Wickenheiser. There were two other significant women that were hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs this week. Uh, Noel Needham, an amateur scout in the United States. I believe Dr. Meg Popovic, who is now the director of athlete well-being and performance. And Dubas was quoted as saying, if you're only hiring white males, you are leaving a lot on the table. Uh, I'm not so sure I would have, uh, I, I agree with ultimately what he's trying to do. I'm not so sure I would have termed it in that way. Um, it's sort of a negative way of, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, uh, but I, I, I think his point, his overall point is well taken is, you know, we're, we're, we're in a world that where different people bring different things to the table and, uh, you just can't be uh, you can't be going after the same uh, the same cohort all the time. And you want some fresh thinking, you want some progressive ideas. And you know Kyle Dubas, you know, and Brendan Shanahan, you know, give them credit, give them credit. Absolutely. And in today's business, there's a lot of women with high executive positions, and why not in sports? And yeah, what's I, the difference? You know, it used to be, we used to live in a in a completely male dominated world. Uh, although in my particular household, it's, it seems to be female dominated most of the time. Uh, I've got two daughters that are in professions that used to be completely male dominated, and uh, now they're not. Uh, and and God and God bless the world that we live in. That and you know, obviously. You know, we've got, we've still got a long way to go. We still, you know, we, but we're, we're pointed in the right direction, I believe. And, uh, you know, we're making these opportunities available uh, to women that historically have not been. And, you know, and they're doing, <laughs> you know, in, in the professions, uh, certainly it almost seems like women are taking over in a certain sense, except perhaps at the very top pinnacles of it. But that, give it time and that will change too. So think about this. 19 days to training camp for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Getting well, excited, Ness? Yeah, very. Uh, you know, they're all getting excited about John Tavares, and uh, it seems like it seems like days. they're taping every move it is at these at these skating sessions. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it gets more and more exciting. And uh, talking about 19 days, it's 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 six days. To uh, to NCAA college and uh, and uh, Notre Dame Michigan this Saturday. That's always always a classic. And uh, you know what? It's that time of year. Got to break out the Rudy tape, Naz. Uh, You're so. gonna need it this year. <laughs> yeah, it's tough going up against an Alabama guy toe to toe every year. So I got to rely upon history and I got to rely upon Hollywood to put me over the top. It's the only the only the only way I can get an edge on you, Naz. Yeah, it's pretty tough with the way Alabama recruits, right? Anyways, uh, yeah, you know, we up. had we had Rudy Daniel Daniel Rudiger was on our show, um, um, and interesting. It's a really interesting uh, talk, and we may I may want to call him this week and see if we can get him back. 
25 years ago, this is the 25th anniversary of Rudy premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival, and it, and it wowed the audiences, maybe not you being an Alabama <laughs> fan, but it certainly wowed me back in 1990. It's the 25th anniversary of, of Rudy and Sean Astin and, and that great, great story. So you know what? I'm calling Rudy this week, Ness. We're getting bring him, him, we're getting, bring him we're bringing on. Bringing him on, on on next Sunday after a Notre Dame win against Michigan. I'd love Anyways. to bring Nick Saban on. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have him on the show if you can arrange that, Naz. That'd be pretty tough. I sent I sent uh, uh, an email to Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago asking if we could get Brian Kelly on the show. Needless to say, that email went unanswered. Uh, but uh, we certainly would. We, we perhaps we'll get Joe Theismann on the show. We always love. Chat he Notre is Dame. Mr. Notre Dame for sure. He's the Notre Dame guy, and uh, he always loves talking Irish football, so maybe we'll give him a so, buzz this week. So we have 38 days to the Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Montreal Canadiens at Scotiabank Centre. At the Scotiabank. I, I don't know how long to, uh, I don't know how long it's going to take me to stop calling it the Air Canada Centre. Uh, it, it's That's going to take me a couple of years to get that. I'm still calling the Rogers Dome the Sky Dome, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Anyways, we've got Alexis Brittany and we've got to get to uh, her interview. So we'll go to break and we'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I'm in Modena, birthplace of Pavarotti. When I knocked on my cousin's door, he opened it and said, My long-lost cousin, you finally come home. You must now marry my neighbour's sister. I said I had to get something in the car and never went back. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. 
Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're on 96.7 FM. And if you're on the internet, live video streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're thrilled to welcome this morning to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, award-winning baseball writer, statistician, scout school graduate, employee of the Blue Jays and Contributor to Canadian Baseball Network. Of course, I'm talking about Alexis Brednicki. Alexis, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining us. And uh, I also forgot to uh, put in there your current uh, doing some great work as the Director of Baseball Information for the Great Lake Canadians. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that work and who the Great Lake Canadians are. The Great Lake Canadians are an elite amateur program based out of London, Ontario, which is where I'm from run by two former major leaguers, Adam Stern and Chris Robinson, who are from London and Dorchester. We have seven teams from the 14U level to the 18U level. And the goal of the program is just development to get these kids to college, give them opportunities in pro ball, and just to kind of help them have more opportunities than the guys at the top had when they were coming up the ranks. Alexis, how much has it improved the Canadian talent uh, available now? It's improved a lot. I think it, a lot of it has to do with, with guys like Adam and Chris who who have had their experiences. They came through the, whether it, Team Canada, whether it was the Junior National Team Program or the Senior National Team Program, and they learned a lot of things along the way from their coaches in pro ball, from their time in the big leagues, and from every experience they had. And I think guys like that just want to come back to where they're from, and it's not just guys in London, it's guys in, in Toronto, it's guys in British Columbia, guys in Alberta, and they just want to help the next generation of young players, and I think that helps the talent grow a lot. Yeah, we're talking to Alexis Brednicki, and Alexis, you know, uh, we just uh, we just contacted you uh, um, uh, <laughs> yesterday, for all, for that matter, and uh, I, I found your bio, ex- you know, just absolutely fascinating. Um, and there's one part that I, I found um, uh, just I was spellbound reading an article about uh, that uh, you your experiences. It's an article in 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 a, in a, in a a publication called the Hardball Times, and you wrote about your experience at Scout School, uh, which I didn't even know such a such a thing existed. <laughs> but apparently, uh, there is a South Scout School for Major League Baseball. Uh, in your class, I believe you were one of only two women. You were sponsored by the Toronto Blue Jays to go get your credentials there. And certainly that must have been a fascinating experience. And uh, you've, you've uh, for the benefit of our listeners, tell us a little bit about what, because uh, a little bit about scout school, uh, how that opportunity came about and uh, what, uh, what, what that was all about. Yeah, Scout School is run by Major League Baseball Scouting Bureau, uh, which is actually um, probably coming to its end now. But it's it was comprised of scouts who had a really long time in the game, uh, so much experience, and they went kind of around North America and around the world a little bit too to scout young players and give reports to all of the organizations. And a part of what the organizations also get out of that is 
scout school. They have the option to send two people to scout school. Each person who attends has to be sponsored by a major league organization. And they essentially just teach everyone in attendance how to scout. We went to Arizona. Uh, we watched games in the Arizona Fall League, and we had to write scouting reports on players. We spent a ton of hours in the classroom every day with our instructors, just learning what to look for, all the pieces of the puzzle to kind of add into our scouting reports. And I got a chance to go there because of the Blue Jays' current president, Mark Shapiro. I was fortunate enough to work at Baseball America with a lot of guys who are now working in the Cleveland Indians organization. And when Mark Shapiro came over to the Blue Jays from the Indians, one of my friends, Matt Foreman, who's the assistant general manager for the Indians, said to Mark, you should meet this this person and talk to them. And I was fortunate enough to get a sit-down with Mark Shapiro not long after he started with the Blue Jays. And I was looking for opportunities to grow, to learn, to move forward, and just to do anything I could in baseball um, and to try and just help myself that way. And Mark offered a chance for me to go to scout school, and I jumped on that opportunity. I knew it would just be something great for me and a learning experience. And I think in this game, you can just never know enough. And... And, yes, I was one of just two women at uh, Scout School, myself and my roommate, Emily Fragapani, who works in research and development for the Dodgers and who has become my one of my best friends in baseball. Uh, we had a different experience, I think, than some of our male classmates. And I think by the end, the guys that weren't too sure about us, we won them over as well. And so it was it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me because I first got to Scout School and I just wondered – do I really know anything about baseball? There were so many new things to learn and so many new things to look at, and I had to watch the game in a completely different way than I ever had before. And by the end, I was definitely more confident and and super happy about the opportunity that I had, the people that I met, and the way that it went. Now, Alexis, we have in the Blue Jay organization three high, highly touted uh, young players in uh, Guerrero, of course, Biggio and Bichette. How difficult is it for them to go into the outfield? Because there seems to be uh, an influx of uh, infielders. Now, Guerrero won't be going into the outfield, but Bouchette and Biggio could. How difficult is it for them to make that transition? I think it's a lot more difficult than people think. A lot of, of fans of the game, people who watch the game, kind of think you can stick anyone out in left field because... Maybe they've seen the Blue Jays try that attempt before. Um, or, you know, when you grow up playing, you kind of send the worst player out to right field as a, as a little kid, and I think that sticks in people's minds a little bit. But it is a completely different game. Being an outfielder in the major leagues is such a hard thing to do. Being an infielder in the major leagues obviously is a hard thing to do, but it's a whole other skill set. It's working on reading the ball. It's working on moving in the right direction. It's getting to the right spot, being in a position to have the right throw. It's, there's a lot of things to work on, and it's, it's, not, it's definitely not an easy thing to do. It would take time and a lot of effort. Uh, we're talking to Alexis uh, Brednicki. Alexis, uh, I want to take advantage of your expertise. Uh, you, uh, you are a scout. Um, Vladimir Guerrero is the next big thing. In Blue Jays land, uh, we may see him next year. It doesn't look like we'll see him this year. Uh, from a scout's perspective, uh, 
Why is Vladimir Guerrero the hottest prospect in baseball's minor leagues? He can hit. He can flat out hit. Hitting is always going to be the most important tool when you're looking at a player. And not only can he hit, he can hit for power. He just has this unreal ability to see the ball and barrel it up every single time he goes out there. Obviously, people like to compare him to his dad, who was hitting balls out of the zone, out of the park. And I think that just having that ability to hit, that background, those bloodlines, it just is super, super exciting. And and that's the most important tool out there. So if you can hit, you'll be in the big leagues, you'll stay in the big leagues. And I think that's what makes people so excited about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Alexis, Josh Donaldson is going to be uh, back next week, I hear, playing some, some games. And then he may be up with the Blue Jays. Do you feel they should sign him for next year? I think it would be tough to to offer him anything significant. Um, I think if they can get maybe a reasonable deal, it is, it's hard, though, because they have other guys who are coming up through the ranks. But everyone has seen what he can do at his peak and where his peak value is. And if you are a believer that he can do that again and he can get back to being that hitter and stay away from injuries and contribute to the team, and maybe you take a chance. If you don't think that he deserves a qualifying offer, then maybe you don't extend that qualifying offer and you try to get something cheaper or you just avoid it altogether. But I think if they can reach a dollar amount they're comfortable with and they just want to take a chance that he can be the guy that everyone has seen, then why not? Uh, Alexis, um, I want to talk about a symposium that you participated in this week. It was called Women at Bat, and you were. It was uh, titled Four Inspirational Baseball Souls, and th- these four inspirational baseball souls were all women. Um, and and tell us a little bit about what. Uh, why this uh, this uh, speaking uh, event was put together, and what is it? What was the uh, message from uh, from this event? The event was kind of the brainchild of Ianka Jess, who has founded She's for Sports, which is an organization just to highlight women in all sports. And uh, Ari Shapiro of Jay's Journal on the baseball side of things. Has he's been doing a podcast for a long time and has talked to women in baseball. And so those two kind of put their heads together and decided to, to that they should have a panel highlighting some of the women in baseball in the area. Um, the event was held at Rogers Center, and it included Nikki Huffman, the head athletic trainer of the Toronto Blue Jays, who's one of just two women to hold that position in baseball at all, maybe in all sports, and definitely the first uh, for the Blue Jays. Uh, April Weitzman, who worked for the Blue Jays on the digital media team, and Dana Bookman, who started the Toronto Girls Baseball League and has really expanded that into an avenue where girls can continue playing baseball instead of being pushed into softball. And I was so fortunate to be a part of that panel. And it was the first one in all of Canada with just a group of females talking about baseball. There's never been an all-female baseball panel in this country, and I think that that was special to be a part of. And the message was just, I think, to show people that women are in the game, too. It's hard to want to be in, in the game if you can't see other people in it. It's hard to understand 
maybe the challenges and see that they can also be overcome unless you hear other people doing it. And it's hard to feel supported when you don't see anyone who is like you and you don't have people to talk to you about similar experiences. And I think it was just a way to kind of open those eyes, be inclusive of women in the industry and answer questions that people had, which really were eye-opening for us too and, and offer advice for people who want to get into the industry. Uh, Alexis, you wrote an article on Nick Pavetto yesterday. What were your impressions of the young man? I think Nick is, uh, the best way I would describe him is he is a competitor. I was fortunate enough to talk to him Friday before the game, before Friday night's game, and he was, at that point, he was having fun, and he was enjoying the season, the ride that the Phillies are on, and he was talking about other Canadians in the league. And then after yesterday's loss, and he left the game in a position to, to win that game. It wasn't his best outing, but he left in a position to win. His team had the lead. And after they lost that game, he was just a completely different guy. He is such a competitor. He would do anything for his teammates, run through a wall for them, and he wants to win. And I think it affects him so greatly. And obviously, he has the stuff to be able to do that, to be able to stay in the big leagues. His fastball is up in the mid to high 90s. He has a good curveball. He does a good job out there. I think yesterday kind of saw him first time through the order, very successful. Second time, not so much. Third time through the order, he got back to where he was and was successful again. And I think that that kind of composure will really help him along the way and through this stretch where the Phillies are trying to make a run for the for the NL East. Uh, Alexis, uh, Naz and I earlier in our, in our intro part of the show talked about um, – uh, a significant event um, for women in sports in Canada, at least Naz and I, see it as a significant event. And, of course, I'm talking about w- the decision by the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, to hire Haley Wickenheiser, Noel Needham, and Dr. Meg Popovic this week. And, of course, the, the, marquee, the marquee signing is, of course, Haley Wickenheiser. Um, with all due respect for the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the marquee franchise in Canada. Um, and hiring a woman, a woman, Haley Wickenheiser, obviously an incredibly accomplished woman, as a player development, assistant director of player development, as yourself being a woman who's been breaking uh, ceilings yourself in certain areas in the baseball world, uh, what was your reaction? The moment you heard about that, I I think it's an amazing hire. I mean, Haley player development is about it's about seeing talent and making it better. And Haley Wickenheiser is definitely a person who can do that. And if anyone doesn't think that, I don't know what they've been seeing over the years or reading. And I I mean, I was super super excited for the signing. And then of course they tell you don't read the comments. I read all the comments uh, of people just being terrible to to Haley Wickenheiser and just kind of diminishing her role and her accomplishments and really just not understanding that this is a great thing. Anytime that you're improving, it means things are changing. And some people have a really hard time with change, but I think that they need to just kind of associate that with improvement. And this is a way for the Maple Leafs to improve. This is a person who has all kinds of experience, 
all kinds of accolades on their resume and can really help in the role that they're in and probably beyond that role as well. And I think that this is an incredible move by the Maple Leafs. And Kyle Dubas, I think, mentioned that you're better if you diversify. You need more voices. You need more input. And I think that that's exactly what Haley brings to the table. Alexis, on on this note as well, um, uh, you know, women, uh, I want your comments. Uh, you know, women seem to be, you know, ma- obviously sp- professional sports has been a male-dominated bastion forever. And it, in, in, in a lot of ways, it still is. And, and these are significant breakthroughs. Um, um, how far do women still have to go in, in, in professional sports? How difficult is it for women to break through in, in, in these areas? It's so hard, and there's a long way to go. I, I think people who celebrate what has already been done are people who are not ready to, to see change continue to happen, necessary change. And it is incredibly difficult. And like I mentioned with the panel, just not it's hard if you don't see anyone in a position that you think you could do. It's hard to, to actually continue to think that you might be able to do that. When I was in school, I did an internship at Baseball America, and I was the only female intern that they had ever had and still have ever had. They don't, they still haven't had a woman on the writing side of the magazine ever. And at scout school, I, there were just two of us, and there were 50, 55 people there. Um, with the Blue Jays, when I was hired in the control room, the only other woman was my boss. Uh, that's improved since then in the control room, but it's still... It's still hard to to walk around the baseball ops area and and not see any women. And I think there's just so far to go. People still get rejected from clubhouses. And and by people, I mean women. It's, It's still not... People think it's improved because, well, women are welcome in the clubhouse now, but really they're not. They're not welcome everywhere. They're not understood to be the same. It takes so long to build up any level of credibility, and it can be just diminished in the blink of an eye. If you say one wrong thing, it's not a matter of saying one wrong thing to those people. It's a matter of not knowing anything. And I think it's incredibly difficult, and there's a a really, really, really long way to go, and I hope that things continue to progress. Alexis, we want to, I want to talk about the Blue Jays a bit, and uh, what direction should they be going into for next year for their team? I think the Blue Jays are a great example of looking at the future and looking at the guys that they already have in their system. I mean, a few years ago, the Blue Jays were in the same position they're in now, where the team wasn't in contention for anything, they weren't winning, they weren't doing well, but in September, the September call-ups were not an exciting bunch of guys. They were veteran guys who had been toiling in AAA, and it was almost like a gift for some of those guys to come up in September. And now it's exciting. There are guys like Ryan Barucki, Danny Jansen, obviously Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Biggio and Bichette and the guys that you mentioned, even a Canadian kid from Markham, like Jordan Romano, who's been doing really well in double-A this year, Andrew Case, who's also who's had time in triple-A, who's also a Canadian guy from St. John, New Brunswick. I think it's exciting to look ahead to the future, and even if fans can't 
enjoy the idea of a playoff run the way that they had a couple years ago. It's something to look forward to and to realize that September is exciting this year, and it wasn't always that way. I guess it's not looking that grim then, really. They could turn it around pretty quickly, couldn't they, Alexis? I think they have a chance to, yeah. I think the player development system has definitely improved, and there are a lot of resources for the team to to pull from and to find success with. And we're talking to Alexis uh, Bernicki. Alexis, uh, there's a big baseball event going on down in Florida right now. Yeah. It's the Women's World Cup of Baseball. And we're we're certainly not going to let you go unless we get an opportunity to talk to you about that. just to sensitize our listeners, uh, Canada has uh, been pretty good in this competition, uh, except they keep running up against the stumbling block called the National Team of Japan, who have, are five-time defending champions. Uh, I believe last night uh, Canada beat Australia 9-6. Uh, to six. Uh, We're now 3-1. We've got another game in the round robin, and... Looks like uh, you know Canada is one of the world uh, world powers in Canadian uh, sorry in women's world uh, baseball. Uh, tell us, uh, please uh, share with our listeners uh, your your uh, thoughts on the Canadian women's team and uh, is this the year that we knock off the Japanese and we claim the World Cup? I think this is definitely a year where they have a real legitimate chance. Even the game they lost against Japan on Friday was a. 2-1 game. It wasn't a blowout. It wasn't a mercy, which typically you see a lot from Japan. I was fortunate enough to be able to go with Canada's women's national team to Japan in 2014 for the Women's Baseball World Cup two World Cups ago. And and Japan was they looked like a different team than in comparison to all the rest. And I think that that is a testament to, to Canada's improvements and the people that they have on the team. They have a mix of veterans and young players. And with the women's team, it's very different from the men's team. They have players who are 36 years old and they have players who are 15 years old. And this, despite that huge gap, I think this team this year has really found a way to put it together. The veterans have helped to calm the young players down and to help them get ready for the stage that they're on and I think the young players have just brought a whole new energy and enthusiasm and excitement and and maybe it's because they don't have all these memories of Japan beating them that they believe that they truly can do this and I think it's such a great combination and that 2-1 game really shows that as Canada moves forward and takes the momentum from wins like the one against Australia last night, they've had multiple comeback victories already and I think that they can take that momentum, move forward and understand that Japan is beatable. They did score a run off them, which is something that not too many teams have done previously and it just shows that they are not completely invincible and it can be done and I think Canada is the team to do it. We've been chatting with uh, Alexis Brednicki. Alexis, I've got to tell you, uh, we Naz and I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you this morning. Your passion uh, permeates completely out of your pores for baseball, and uh, I'm sure our listeners uh, felt that passion this morning and uh, you know, uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you for taking the time for us. And uh, uh, I know uh, someday I'd just love to meet you in person and share that passion with you. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Have a great day.
Alexis, certainly, uh, you know, barriers for women there, uh, as she made the point, and as they, uh, some of them are coming down, but there's probably way more that need to come down. And uh, obviously, Alexis uh, uh, has an incredible passion for baseball. She's, uh, you know, she writes about it. She's gone to scouting school. She's worked for the Blue Jays. She's highly qualified. And uh, certainly, uh, it was uh, certainly enjoyable getting her thoughts on uh, on on the on the Jays and on Guerrero and uh, and uh, the team as it as it moves forward. Yeah, she she has it all figured out. She's pre- she's pretty good. She's really good at uh, at her her uh, trade. That's for sure. I hope hope she gets to advance even further. We certainly hope so. Anyways, it's uh, time for our break, and we'll be back shortly. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This is Zoomer Radio, CFZM FM and CFZM AM. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour the president of TFC and the Toronto Argonauts, 
Bill Manning. Good morning, Bill. How are you this morning? Hey, Walter. How you doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Sorry sir- about last week. No, 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 no problems about that. We're thrilled to have you today, Bill, and thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and, and it's even better to have you joining us the night after a TFC victory. So Yeah, uh, much better than last week. So. <laughs> well, we, we didn't get the result we wanted Friday night in the football game. We'll chat about oh, that after. Oh, so, yeah. Let, so close. Let, let's, chat about, uh, let's chat about soccer. Uh, uh, and uh, we, like we were going to, uh, there's, there's a topic that uh, resulting from last week. TFC uh, is, and we wanted to chat a little bit about minor soccer uh, and TFC uh, in that vein. And uh, Naz and I were uh, MCing, doing the public address for a tournament last weekend at the York Lions Soccer Stadium. It was the Under 17 Challenge Cup, uh, and it was big, a big event. Juventus Under 17 team was here. And TFC took part in that tournament, and TFC won the tournament, your under-17 team. Uh, I'm sure you guys are thrilled about that, but give us a little bit of a background. Uh, we know that uh, TFC has, uh, obviously, the team in MLS, but it's very involved in minor soccer and soccer development. And tell us how important that is to your organization. Yeah, no, it's very important. We um, we we sponsor, for lack of better words, or um, operate teams um, all the way down to the U-12 level. Um, so we have uh, kids that, that will join our, um, uh, our club. Uh, they will train out of the same training ground as the first team. Uh, so we literally have a U-12 team, U-13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 19. And then we have a second team that plays in the USL that, that is you know, generally for players that are 22 or younger. We have a couple of 23, 24-year-olds on that team as well. But, uh, you know, this is about developing um, future talent for the first team. And we, um, we want to get the kids who, um, you know, excel uh, with their local clubs and have maybe outgrown them and then come to, to you know, our club and, and see if they can grow into the first team. So you look at a player like Jonathan Osorio, scored a goal last night. He's a local kid. Um, he actually joined our academy late, um, but he's, a, he's a, an example for every uh, local kid that, uh, um, you know, wants to be a pro. And it's something that, you know, we invest uh, quite a bit of money in, um, over $2 million a year to operate these teams. I just got back from Mexico City where we had our U-16s and our U-13s down there um, playing against uh, Liga MX competition and then some other MLS teams that were down there. And so we want to play with the best teams uh, in, in, in the North American region, and uh, we're, we're giving these kids a level of competition that they, they otherwise wouldn't get, um, you know, just kind of staying with their local clubs. And we've built, I think, very, very strong relationships with a lot of the local clubs who, um, you know, support what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of incoming phone calls from local youth soccer directors telling us about their kids. And, and I think it's been, um, you know, over the last few years, it's really been um, a good relationship uh, that we've kind of fostered with the local community. Bill, what is the caliber of the uh, Canadian player in Canada? I think it's very good. I think um, the GTA, you know, and I, uh, you know, I moved here three years ago. I'm from the States, from the New York area. And in, in the States, you know, Southern California is probably the highest level of soccer. And, and just to give you uh, the degree um, that we think is, is this area is Greg Vanny, 
who went to UCLA and spent time coaching in Southern California, said he thinks the GTA has as good a soccer as the Southern California. And that is about as high a compliment you could give. Um, you have a lot of first and second generation Canadians here who their parents, um, you know, are soccer's in their blood. Um, a lot of them from Europe. And, you know, these kids grew up with a soccer ball, not a, not a hockey puck. And it's, um, it's, it's a big area, you know. We have in the GTA, I want to say, 6 million people. Uh, so there's a lot of kids playing soccer, and there's a lot that um, their parents are very knowledgeable. And, um, you know, it's uh, where I feel we're benefiting from it. So for the last, you know, since 2015, really, we've really uh, doubled down on our, on our academy themes and uh, the level of investment, the coaching, and especially the, um, the investment we've made. So we went to... One of the most, you know, talking about Juventus, who came over in um, second year, and we didn't get to play him this year, but we beat him last year in uh, penalty shots, and um, you know, we won the tournament this year. We brought our U19 team to one of the most prestigious tournaments in the world last year, called the Via Reggio, and we actually played Juventus's U19 team in a in a straight up game. We tied one one, and it was, uh, you know, Juventus is one of the, you know, top five clubs in the world. Um, and uh, our kids were able to play straight up with them. And one of the guys uh, who, who, you know, two of the players that we played against in that tournament last year, which first team right now, and one of our players that played in that tournament is with our first team right now. So you talk about developing players, um, and what we say is the investment, why we're making it is we, it, it's actually more cost-efficient for us to bring a kid up um, from our academy than it is to go out and buy someone for you know three million dollars. So um, you do need all mechanisms and all angles to get players, uh, but it's something that we're fully committed to. We're talking to Bill Manning, president of TFC and uh, Toronto Argonauts. Uh, uh, Bill, a great win last night. I think it's got us pointed in the right direction. We're in the stretch drive. Uh, if we keep the last night's performance going, I don't see any reason why not. We're uh, uh, we're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, margin of error is a bit tight. Um, but yeah. I want you to comment on how much the Champions League uh, run uh, took out of the took out of the team. I know you had you suffered with injury problems, but I got the sense that um, that that was a difficult uh, difficult uh, difficult struggle, and there was a lot of emotional intensity to try to get uh, uh, TFC through. To the to ultimately the World Cup and ultimately all, uh, an opportunity to play Real Madrid. I'll let you to yeah. comment on that. And I, I'm going to be blunt with you, Bill. And you may you may want to comment on this perhaps in a more diplomatic way. Um, I didn't get the sense that MLS did what they had to do in terms of cooperating with your schedule to permit that to happen. So first of all, how much did uh, that run take out of the team? And uh, would would a, a little bit of concessions from MLS on the scheduling have made a difference? Yeah, so so on the competition, you know, we uh, we had a, a number of players get injured during that competition, um, and and some of them were long term injuries, which really hurt us. Uh, Josie out the door um, wound up uh, fracturing a bone in his foot. Which um, led to him being out for for you know over three months. Uh, Drew Moore tore his thigh. Uh, he's been, you know last night was the first night he started since uh, mid early mid 
um, tells you how long he's been out. Um, Justin Morrow uh, had pulled his calf. Uh, Chris Mavinga got injured during that competition, who's our, you know, arguably our best defender. Um, so, and then Victor Vasquez, who's played, um, you know, he, he he got banged up a bit in that competition. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to say um, that it was all Concacaf getting those players injured because, you know, by that time you did have you had a short off season, but you only had played, you know, maybe six or seven games by that point when some of these guys started to go down. Um, but clearly those players getting injured has had a, a very negative effect on our regular season in MLS. And uh, it's been quite difficult. Um, you know, Drew Moore and Chris Mavinga, um, you know, who are our two starting center backs, haven't played an MLS game together at all this year. And it's been, uh, it's been, a, it's been a rough uh, regular season. Um, you know, with our best lineup, I think we're the best team in the league. And our challenge is we haven't had our best lineup uh, yet once this year. Um, you know, if you ask me, would we, would we do it all over again for CONCACAF? Of course we would. It is, uh, we want to be a club that is, is not only the best in our, in our league, but we want to be the best team in the region. And, um, you know, would we manage it maybe a little bit differently? Yeah, probably. We'd probably um, rotate our lineup a little bit more maybe as we went into that tournament and as we played through that tournament. Um, it's just uh, the injury bug got us, and it's, it's something we're looking at about how we manage our roster and how we manage actually uh, treating and preparing our players uh, for CONCACAF next year. Um, but it is a competition we very much uh, believe that we can hang with the best Mexican teams who are, you know, um, you know, considered one of the top, uh, you know, outside of the big five leagues in Europe, League MX is considered right there as one of the top leagues in the world. Um, and so we're, uh, you know, we're, we, we, we don't want to make excuses, but yes, your answer, it hurt us um, in terms of our injuries. Uh, could have MLS done more? I mean, I absolutely wish uh, Houston would have um, postponed that game uh, in between the, uh, the final match there. Um, that was a very tough decision, um, you know, for the league to make the league's point. Um, you know, the Mexican team had to play. Uh, they, they didn't cancel their games. And so, you know, you, you kind of see both sides of it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, where yes, I would have liked to have seen um, Houston support us to, uh, to go win that. Uh, we did have to send some guys. Uh, we didn't play many players who played in the final, but we did. Uh, we did send a number of players there. Um, but it was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I thought we played well uh, to win that last game against Chivas. We actually won the game two to one. We just uh, we didn't win any penalty shots, and so it was disappointing. But um, it's a competition that uh, I think gained our organization a lot of respect. Uh, I was just like I said, I was just down in Mexico City. At an event, and um, you know, there was four Mexican teams there, and every single one of them came up to me personally uh, to tell me how impressed they were with our club, and that 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 specifically came from our run in Concacaf Champions League. We we definitely gained respect regionally. Bill, you wear wear another hat as president of the Toronto Argos. How has that been? It's been a difficult transition, I'm sure. Uh, um, no, you know, it's um, I'm, I'm a football fan. I, I worked in the NFL for four years. Uh, for the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, actually. And uh, so I had a chance to 
um, be around the game from a um, you know from a from a business standpoint. Um, got to know uh, the general manager at the time, Tom Heckard, very well. Uh, Tom unfortunately just recently passed away, so it's very sad. But um, you know, have a chance to see how a football team operates, and it's very different. It's very different than a than a soccer team. Um, you know, there's kind of a different vibe in how. Uh, the coaches and teams go about their business. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still about, uh, you know, wins and losses. And, and in my role, um, what I try to do is make sure that, that I provide whatever, um, you know, the coach or the general manager need to win. And, you know, we see it with the soccer team every single day. And, I'm, you know, I'm much more involved in terms of the player personnel decisions and, and that with, with the soccer team because of my background in soccer. Um, but with the football team, uh, it's still at the end of the day, we want to win. And, um, you know, I've tried to um, give them, you know, better training facilities, you know, when we move the players down to BMO Field and, and you know, just – just trying to give them everything we can uh, for them to compete. And uh, we got a little unfortunate in Montreal, um, hitting the post. And uh, I hope that's what they call it in, uh, in, in the CFL. We the uprights. Hit the post, the soccer, the uprights. There we go. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we were coming off two wins, one-point wins. The, you know, the one uh, um, real exciting game that we had that we won, um, you know, just before with one second left. But uh, with three and six as we head into uh, the second half of the year. And uh, I'm excited. We're up. We're actually, our paid attendance is up about 1,300 fans a game, uh, which we're excited about. We're kind of you know, talking about building this one fan at a time. It's, it's our goal has been to really just stabilize the franchise and to you know, really um, engage with and, and energize our, our kind of core fan base, which is, you know, roughly between 10 and 12,000 fans. And, and, you know, I love, I love them. I think, you know, the, the, the Argos fans are just as passionate about the Argos as TFC fans are of TFC and Raptors fans are about the Raptors. And so we, uh, we're trying to build on it. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to, uh, to run it. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we're talking to Bill Manning. Bill, uh, uh, you got a couple of passionate Argo fans uh, in studio uh, this morning. We've, oh, we, and we've uh, we've chatted with Mike Hogan on the show. He, we had him good. in studio. Well, Mike has been a great hire. We yeah. uh, we just brought Mike on, and we uh, we had him in studio. And the one thing I, I will let you know, just uh, for your uh, for your information, uh, you're probably aware the demographic of our audience in this station uh, fits in really nicely with the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, I know we're trying to develop the next generation, but if there's one cri- one criticism we get on our show uh, from our feedback is they want us to talk about the Argos more than we do. Uh, and and uh, you know, obviously we, we you know we'd love to chat more Argos. Uh, a winning team certainly helps with that. A great cup victory helps with that. We've talked to former Argos Martin and Simons and Theismann, and uh, so uh, there's a lot of lot of Argos uh, Argo fans amongst our listeners. Uh, so uh, we'll simply. Uh, Leave it at this, Bill. Well, uh, well, we thank you so much for joining us. We've run out of time, unfortunately. I've only worked through about uh, 25% of what the topics I wanted to get into <laughs> with you. Uh, there's a World Cup coming up in 2026, and I know yeah. the TFC is going to be involved in that. And uh, there's so many other things we'd love to chat with you about, so hopefully we can get you back. And I'm going to ask you to make one promise to me. What's that? In 2026, if you have any input whatsoever 
in this decision, make sure that Italy's playing out of Toronto. <laughs> Assuming that they qualify. We had know, I've, I, I've already said that. I think, uh, especially in this town, it would be amazing yeah. to have Italy here. Absolutely. Well, we had Betagen studio for the whole hour last yeah, week. And he, he, and he assured us that all the development tools are in place for Italy, and this year was a complete aberration for yeah. us Azzurri fans. So, yep. Italy 2026, Bill. Toronto make it happen you got it thanks so listen bill we really appreciate this and hopefully we can have you back at another time thanks so much take care bye-bye that was bill manning uh uh president of tfc and uh and the argos and as i've just got one really quick promo i have to get to then we have to sign off i was involved in a in uh, helping uh with a committee on a on a golf tournament on friday in memory of a good friend of mine, Jim Smith, who unfortunately passed away. We raised money for the Sunnybrook Vascular Department at uh, at Sunnybrook Hospital and the University of Toronto Faculty Medicine. There's some great doctors over there, Dr. Robert Magisano, Dr. Andrew Duick, and Dr. Giuseppe Papia. They're doing great work in, in the vascular area in treating diabetes and vascular problems. A special thanks to Frank Artuzzo, Dominic Ruffalo, Bruno D'Alessandro, and in memory of our honorary chair, Jim Smith. Naz, last word. It was was nice talking about FC and uh, Argos, and uh, have a good week, everybody. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.